you're going to listen to a super short interview on transition finance. How do we get many more farmers and farmland transitioned to organic and regenerative in a way which makes sense to the farmer, the investor and the soil? That's the question we're trying to answer here. Welcome to another episode of Investing in Regenerative Agriculture, Investing as if the Planet Mattered, a podcast show where I talk to the pioneers in the regenerative food and agriculture space to learn more on how to put our money to work to regenerate soil, people, local communities and ecosystems while making an appropriate and fair return. Why my focus on soil and regeneration? Because so many of the pressing issues we face today have their roots in how we treat our land, grow our food and what we eat. And it's time that we as investors, big and small and consumers, start paying much more attention to the dirt slash soil underneath our feet. Before we get started, I've been recording these interviews next to my day job and I will definitely continue to do so and release about an episode a month. But at the same time, I would love to take this further, share more interviews. There are many more stories to share on investing in regenerative food and agriculture. More depth, improve the quality, maybe even doing some video series. So I started a Patreon community, which makes it easy to support creators like myself. If these podcasts have been of value to you, and if you have the means, I invite you to support me and make this happen. For more information, please find the link to my Patreon account in the description below. And now, without further ado, the interview. Enjoy! Welcome to a short episode of the podcast. I'm joined today by Brandon Wells of Mad Agriculture who's working on the Perennial Fund, which has as a subtitle Accelerating Regenerative and Organic Agriculture. I'm obviously super interested to find out more. So without further ado, welcome, Brandon. Hey, Cohen. Thanks for having me. So to start with a question on the Perennial Fund, as we try to keep this short, I promise the listeners uh, to, to record another episode at some point to dive deep into the why and the how and all the back pieces, pieces behind the scenes of, of this fund. But I want to keep this short and to the point and try to keep it within 10, let's say 10, 15 minutes. So I'm asking a very practical question immediately. What is the perennial fund? What is it going to be? And why is it so different? And what are the key pieces? Yeah. So uh, how man agriculture largely works is we engage with farmers to create whole farm design plans to help them in both space and time uh, grow new crops in a regenerative way. And over the past couple of years, uh, through all of our learnings, we've really seen that there's three key pieces to accelerating uh, regenerative ag and organic ag. And that's by connecting capital, know-how, and markets. And we found that without bringing all three together, it's really hard to create that systemic change, that long-lasting change that farmers are going to adopt, um, that are going to make investors happy and are going to give a return uh, to their portfolio and that brands and commodity buyers are going to want to set up contracts with to buy those crops. So the perennial fund is a way of connecting all those pieces in a way that is equitable for all the players involved and not just trying to unload risk onto farmers or onto brands or onto investors, but trying to create a fair, uh, equitable distribution of the many different types of value that are created from adopting regenerative ag, whether that be social, environmental, or um, actual just healthy quality food that is coming off the land. So the general concept of the perennial fund is to help conventional growers transition to organic in a way that makes sense for them financially. So what we're looking to do is 
is lend a conventional farmer $100 per acre per year for the 36 month organic transition in exchange for 20% of their net profits on the back end once they're certified organic until 1.5x the initial investment is paid back. So it's essentially the uh, the perennial fund would lend the grower $300 per acre over the course of 36 months in exchange for $450 for the next five to seven years, uh, depending on the payback, um, until that amount is met. Now, there's a few key pieces here. Uh, let's unpack it a bit because uh, I think it's, I mean, you reached out to me and mentioned we're doing a revenue share or profit share, and I was immediately interested. So I think there are a few mm-hmm. pieces to unpack here. First of all, I think the $100 um, dollars that's, that I'm imagining comes from your experience in what is necessary per acre, more or less, depending on the grower, et cetera. But let's see that 100 that comes from your experience, what's necessary to, to start and kick off this organic and regenerative transition. Yeah, so the $100 really comes from looking in multiple regions. Uh, we did a lot of research in Iowa, Minnesota, South Dakota, Nebraska, and that, that number in general is what covers the, the net profit gap that a lot of farmers are going to experience during that transition phase uh, from generally reduced yields at conventional prices. So you, know, you could see a 20 to 30% yield drop during your transition, and then you're going to come out negative for the year per acre. But this $100 is able to cover that to make sure that while you're transitioning, that you're going to be able to put food on the table and pay for your living expenses and pay your rent if you're you're renting uh, your farmland. So that's where the $100 per acre really comes from. And then another key piece you know, of this model is after you're transitioned to organic, you're only paying back the loan if you are profitable because it's based on net profits. So we're buying in to the farmer that we've done you know, robust due diligence on and showing that if, you're, if they're not net profitable, then we're not going to get paid back. We're really getting in the saddle with them and making sure that these practices and these crops that that farmer is growing are going to be able to be sold at a market premium. They're going to deliver cost savings on the management and it's going to be sustainable in the long run. It's not just going to be a one-off thing just to transition to organic and then, you know, see you later. So that is key. Um, and that all of those pieces really come together in the initial phase of how we generally engage with, with growers. So that's through carbon farm planning and our, our four-phase process of uh, visioning with the farmer, you know, understanding their, their goals for the land, their ethics for the land, where they want to go, how they see their, their family being involved. And those, those real types of values that, you know, why are they in agriculture and why do they want to continue to be within agriculture? The design phase of the farm, uh, which is mapping out you know, in space and time, the crops and practices and the finances of the farm and enterprise budgets for various crops and creating rotations and, you know, pu- pulling it all together while keeping capital and markets in mind the action phase of actual implementation, and then uh, the adaptation phase uh, for the years after farmers are transitioned to organic or have adopted more regenerative practices. So, you know, the, the know-how and carbon farm piece is, it's, it's difficult, but uh, it's, it's easier than the actual activation of that carbon farm plan because that takes capital and that takes markets. And that's where this 
perennial fund really steps in is it's, it's able to activate that and help farmers realize the designs of their farm and their land and where they want to go. And let's spend a bit of time on the markets because you mentioned it, uh, that it's, it's so obvious, but so often forgotten. It's great if you go through the transition and in many places at three years, you go to organic. And in this case, there's actually a carbon uh, plan behind it. So you're actually going to reverse regenerative. But then if you cannot sell your, your produce for a premium and actually during the years of transition you cannot sell it even as organic uh, you basically be left without without a real viable farm so that's why you you partnered up with pipeline foods who we actually interviewed on the podcast twice now as so i'm very happy to see eric uh, back in the game and uh, so can you say a bit about that partnership or the, the importance of having those offtake agreements ready for the farmers to move yeah, it's, you know, the market side is critical because if you're um, helping a convention, conventional grower transition to organic, they now have to deal with those three years of selling conventional crops to the typical buyers that they've normally sell, uh, sold to, or they then have to somehow find access to transitional markets to gain some type of a premium to make up for the yield gap. So we've been working on partnering up with Pipeline Foods to Talk about them purchasing the transitional crops from these growers and then the organic crops once these growers are certified organic and setting up uh, long-term contracts to do so. And that's really important because, you know, you've been selling your corn to the local elevator for the last 20 years. And now all of a sudden, when you go certified organic, you have to figure out the logistics, the transportation, the storage and the, the contracting and understanding what type of prices are reasonable and equitable for that crop. There's a lot of logistics there. And that's a lot of work that a farmer just shouldn't have to take on on their own. So we're trying to reduce the amount of friction that is usually within that system when a grower transitions and just enable them to make the switch as easily as possible by increasing the stability of their revenues through these, these long-term premiums, um, whether that be through or the organic uh, commodity market, which is pretty robust and has been so for the past couple of decades, mm -hmm. or through uh, stacking on additional revenues through uh, improvement of eco ecosystem services and buyers of those ecosystem services, people that want to improve the health of the soil or water or land or biodiversity in general. So we're, we've also partnered up with Nori, which is a new carbon marketplace that is helping reduce the verification costs and enable soil carbon credits to be created and then sold in a way that is much better than previous markets for a, a whole plethora of reasons. And that's, that's a whole other podcast we could go into. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're, we're bringing them on board. So, you know, these farmers that are now transitioning to organic and they're, let's say they're using minimum tillage and cover cropping and have a five or six year rotation, the likelihood of them sequestering CO2 in their soils as soil carbon is, is pretty high. And we will be able to quantify and verify and then bring that onto the marketplace through a combination of Nori's verification methodology using Comet Farm, Quick Carbon at a Yale University, and then stacking that together and you know, generating impact reports to show the actual numbers on, on carbon and the impacts these regenerative practices have on the soil. Which is key. And I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to keep it short because there's so much to unpack in basically every sentence here. Um, but we're, we're going to do that at some point. But I want to get two more points 
before we, we close this one. One, a bit on return. I mean, people can do the calculation uh, themselves. You mentioned a one and a half, uh, 1.5 cap, basically on the initial investment. But what mm-hmm. are you typically, like let's say in the models now, looking at? And then two, um, where are you currently at and how can people help and how can people get involved? Yeah, that's good. So right now, the way that we've quantified it in our models is that it's a high likelihood that farmers will be able to pay back the entire loan at 20% of their net profits within five years after their transition. So it'd be an eight-year total note. And if they're able to pay that back, uh, so pay $450 back off of the initial $300 per acre, that'd be an 11% IRR over eight years. But we, what we are trying to do is uh, extend that length to actually make sure that it's a 10-year note. So the farmer has the option to pay it off early. But in the case of extreme unexpected events like hail or drought or heat wave, there are two additional years built in there so that if they're not net profitable on specific acreage or their entire farm for a year, they have a little bit of leeway to make sure that they'll have those additional years to pay back. And over the course of 10 years, that'll be a 9% IRR. So it's, it's a pretty quality return over the course of those years. And you know it's equitable for the investor because they're getting a significant portion, a significant return over that time period. And then it's equitable for the farmer because they're only paying back if, if they're profitable for their, those years. Yeah, it really puts the farmer and investor on the same side of the table, which I, I think is going to be very interesting to watch how, how that plays out. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So where we are right now is we're right now we are applying for a conservation innovation grant through the NRCS, a CIG grant. We are currently asking for $750,000 uh, from that grant as a loan guarantee for this investment. So what that is going to do is cover 30% of the entire funds that we are going to raise in the case that a portion of that is lost from investors, which is what we are trying to hedge against in every way we possibly can. But to enable this kind of investment, we're going to use a credit enhancement of a loan guarantee. So we're going to be raising, and we are actively raising $2.5 million to actually invest into conversion of conventional to organic. That'll enable about 8,300 acres to convert to organic. And as the first loss capital in the form of a loan guarantee, we're going to be using 750,000 from the SIG grant. So we actually just got one of our first farms uh, to commit. It's Villicus Farms up in Northern Montana. They're a diversified organic operation that have been doing it for about 10 years. They're in multiple uh, folks supply chains that you've probably heard of, like Timeless Seeds, Patagonia Provisions, Cliff Bar. They're all, they're, they're uh, very involved and they are very sophisticated farmers and they're also just really good people to talk with. So they're looking at taking over about 2,100 acres of Kempfellow uh, land that has been that way for the past 20 years and they're going to convert it to organic. So we're exploring that option with them and have a provisional yes from them. Um, and it's, it's looking very helpful. So that would be, that would be our first, one of our first investments. And we're actively seeking other farmers to get involved and we're in conversation with a few others. So Pipeline Foods has generously 
offered and has sent out a newsletter to a thousand plus of their growers in their supply chain to solicit this investment idea to see if any of the current successful organic growers are looking to uh, rent or buy conventional land and then transition to organic, or if some of their conventional growers are looking to convert some acreage to organic. So it's well on its way. We're talking with various investor groups across the country and things are coming together pretty rapidly. So, you know, I urge anybody that's listening, if they want to get involved uh, in terms of uh, an investment or a PRI or just a donation to help support some of our time, because at MADAG, we are a nonprofit or a 501c3. That would be great. Um, we're willing to learn, looking to explore and open to any ideas that folks have. So we're we're actively in you know that just that phase of pushing and pulling and and seeing where where everyone is and and who we should get involved because we're really looking to bring in mission aligned partners as well, not just looking for four dollar signs. I mean, it matters where those come from and and what the expectations are. Yeah, I can imagine. And and with that, obviously, this is not investment advice, but I'm I'm very curious to see how uh, this will work. I'll put your contact details and and more more information on the fund in the description below. And I want to thank you so much for your time today, Brendan. And very curious. I mean, I think the the file is due, it's now the 8th of July, the end of this month. So the end of July, 2019, you need to submit for the grants. It's very, very exciting, but also very busy times, I think for you. Definitely busy times. Yeah. And regardless, you know, the submittal is July 30th, but regardless of the SIG grant, we are still going to be pursuing this idea, whether it's using foundation philanthropic capital as the loan guarantee or first loss capital or private investment in raising a different fund structure of sorts. Uh, we'll still be pursuing this, but it'd be ideal if we can get this all together by July 30th. That'd be the dream. I wish you a lot of luck. Thank you so much. righty, Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. If you found the Investing in Regenerative Agriculture and Food podcast valuable, there are a few simple ways you can use to support it. Number one, rate and review the podcast on your podcast app. That's the best way for other listeners to find the podcast, and it only takes a few seconds. Number two, share this podcast on social media or email it to your friends and colleagues. Number three, if this podcast has been of value to you, and if you have the means, please join my Patreon community to help grow this platform and allow me to take it further. You can find all the details on patreon.com slash regenerative agriculture or in the description below. Thank you so much and see you at the next podcast.